Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Z Code Sports Investing Podcast. In this episode, we have a special guest. He is a true master of parlays, and you know him in the Z Code community under the nickname E. In this episode, he is sharing his story and tips on how to become successful by betting parlays. He will also speak about the common misconceptions bettors have when it comes to betting parlays, such as win rate. Risking small to win a lot is his way. So welcome the one and only Ernesto. Well, Jake, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of your podcast collection. And uh, secondly, I'd like to thank uh, those that came to my attention to invite me and have this all possible. And that would be uh, Z Coder Alberto and Z Coder Michael Zed. Uh, Mike Zed, you know, obviously very supportive in my journey and helping me a tremendous amount on my return. And I appreciate everything these guys have done. And I appreciate all the Z Code followers and Z Code community for all their support and positive uh, wording of motivation and so forth. Without these guys, we wouldn't be here, Jake. So I appreciate everybody. Thank you very much. Now, to uh, answer your question, I was born in Los Angeles, and I've been associated with sports probably ever since I was in preschool, uh, as far as I can remember, Uh, whether it was going to the Dodger games live in person, watching various sports on TV, whatever the case may be, I've always been involved in sports, and I believe that gives me the sort of advantage or the edge in it, being able to do what I do very successfully as far as sports investing goes. I'm curious about what betting is like over in your region. Is it extensively popular or instead you may struggle at times to find bookmakers? Uh, it's not really extensively popular. Uh, I believe for the most part, most individuals in the USA, they're, they're not really sports investors on a daily routine. And there are some sports books out there that are now catering to the USA, and that's come into place since the mid-90s, I do believe. But uh, it's not really advertised or publicized in person by many people that mm-hmm. you might meet, whether it's at work, at school, or on the streets. It's just not really a, a popular ordeal. Uh, obviously, with social media, there's uh, the poker applications of Texas Hold'em and so forth. Those are probably more popular than the actual sports itself. But uh, as far as the sports investing, uh, Las Vegas, I believe, is still the the king of it all when it comes to sports gambling in the USA. Uh, So that and Atlantic City, New Jersey. But uh, Las Vegas, for the most part, is is where you'll see the big whales, the, the sports handicapping pros mm. take care of all their action. Uh, it's very rare that you're going to hear somebody, you know, talk about their online account at a sports book or on their online account with their winnings or whatever the case may be. It's just not really publicized enough or a lot. Mm. Obviously, betting seems to be coming to the U.S. in a sense, even though that's where it sort of started in Vegas and so on. But it's sort of expanding now. Obviously, uh, for those who don't know, 
a ban was imposed in the US where majority of the states were unable to legislate betting. But uh, obviously that's been changed recently with the most recent legislation which allows for betting to happen based on state-to-state basis. Uh, Do you feel like the betting industry is sort of growing because of that? Um, Obviously Bet365 has entered the market in New Jersey recently. I don't know how much you can see on day-to-day basis based on growth in terms of bookmakers, but just elaborate on that. Do you see any sort of improvement in the industry now? Uh, as far as improving goes, I think with the fantasy leagues, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, those are becoming very popular. People are making money off of those particular websites per se, and and that particular gender of people are, you know, getting more commercialized, if you will, more publicized and things of that nature. Uh, as far as the actual sport goes, it's still not, in my opinion, a very popular method of of investing or betting for a lot of people uh the esports is coming through strong and with esports a lot of people a lot of the younger people are paying attention taking notice but uh, at the same time and, and i believe the reason being is because the usa is you know the kingdom or the home of the major league sports the nba the nfl the major league baseball the national hockey league uh, along with Canada. And so with that being said, most people are with their home team. They're with, you know, they're rooting for the home team. They don't really go outside of the parameters to study or research other teams in order to make a successful investment or enter inside. So it's kind of complicated uh, just because of that particular mentality that, you know, in California, California, from New York to Florida, Chicago, and all around the uh, USA, we have our favorite teams that we root for. We have our favorite teams that we watch on TV. And a lot of us, you know, have working day jobs per se or, or night jobs, but it's just not a lot of convenience to sit down, try to raise a family and start looking at, you know, newspapers or stats or online doing research and being very successful in sports investing, you have to have time and you have to have the revenue or the bank account to do so. And a lot of individuals, unfortunately, they just don't have the time, in my opinion. Uh, Mm. Because again, it's not very publicized, it's not uh, talked about, and uh, you just don't see it. If you look, look at social media, you're not going to see a lot of USA individuals, you know, bragging about their investments or their, their wagers or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. It's mostly from foreign land that will go on social media and brag about their investments per se or their, their bets or whatever they want to talk about. But it's just not, you know, as popular as most people might, might assume or might think. And it also might be because of the restrictions. Uh, because of the previous restrictions and so forth. It's just uh, a situation. Plus, it's illegal for people that are family or associated with some of these sports athletes or sports organizations to gamble. Uh, you just, you really just can't. They don't want any kind of, you know, fishy business to be exploited so if you're, you know, a family member of a superstar athlete or a player of a certain team, all this comes into play, um, you know, and I'm not saying illegal, like it's against the law. It's just 
the actual franchise or the sport itself doesn't like to hear about investments or gambling or anything of that nature. So people just stay away from it and don't don't do it as often or as much as people might think. All right. Um, so I kind of want to move on to your systems now. I'm obviously very interested and intrigued by how you run your system. I, I know you refer to it as not a system, but I think it is a system because it's something that you do long term and you have a fantastic mentality and basically you bet on parties, which is for me a very interesting aspect because many people um, right. often say that you should be betting on singles and it's become an argument in the industry as to attack people who bet on parties and see it as a long term investment, you know, especially in the UK and in Europe in general, I suppose people see parties and we refer to them as accumulators and they are basically fun bets. So you bet 10, $10 or 10 euros or whatever currency you have, and you are expecting to make a hundred times more. And if you don't win that, then it's obviously it was a fun bet it as a long-term investment, but you have a completely different approach for that. And you actually do see it as a long-term investment. You set yourself a target of $150,000 this year, and you seem to be on your way towards that. Can you sort of elaborate on what your system is, how it works, and why do you prefer to bet this way over singles? Uh, yes, Jake, that's a great question. And I will, We'll go ahead and elaborate uh, as much thoroughly as I can. I think in the U.S. they have more of an advantage as far as parlaying and success in parlays because of the fact that we have all major league sports right here in our own backyard. Meaning that we are able to not only look at the regional action on TV, we can look at the newspapers, we can look at local you know, media, whatever the case may be. We have a lot of access and we, we've been this way through our whole lives for the most part. So we know the sport in and out for the most part. We know what it takes to win, what it takes to go above and beyond. And with various factors, we know what to look for. Or we should know with of individuals that are outside, you know, soccer being one of the most popular in the world or the popular sport in the world. They're not really accustomed to other sports. They're not really influenced or they don't have a lot of exposure of other sports to make their best opportunity to get sports investing in a successful way. So that in itself is a huge advantage. Uh, the reason why I feel that parlays are the smarter investment is simply because it's less money out of your pocket or less money being invested, and more money being won. If you take a look at all the four major sports that are mm -hmm. available during the regular season or the, during the year, at one time or another, you could have the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, all playing at the same time. Now, if you're a sports pro handicapper, and you can do single bets or single wagers, I'm pretty confident that if you can choose one NFL team to win and one NBA team to win and one you know, college basketball team to win or a college football team to win, during that period when all four major league sports are going at it, 
that in itself is automatically recipe for a successful parlay. Mm. The reason why people, I believe, are used to call it sucker bets or, you know, fun bets, as you put it, mm-hmm. is because of the unknown factor. The fact that you've been taught from the beginning that professional handicappers single bet. Mm-hmm. If you don't single bet, you're not a, considered a professional handicapper. And a lot of the individuals that are not professional handicappers that do do these parlays for fun bets are usually just there to have, like you mentioned, fun, just to be entertained. It's like a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, if it works great, if it don't, oh, well, what happens? You know, it's not that they're investing or they're going to come back again real soon. They're usually the individuals that are going maybe once a week or once a month uh, to place their particular investments or their individual bets. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of break it down, and the way I like to always break things down is by looking at statistics. Look at the win-loss ratio of these professional handicappers that are doing the single bets. You know, and how much are they actually winning? How much are they profiting? And if you notice, you're going to see a lot of single bets being placed with approximately anywhere from a 50 to high 50, 60 percent win ratio for the for the better handicappers mm-hmm. and low 50s, high 40s for the above, you know, above average, but not exactly the elite uh, sports handicappers. Mm-hmm. So when you take all that into consideration. Consideration, and you know, notice that these handicaps go with two, three, or four, sometimes five or ten single bets at a time. And again, all you have to do is for a parlay, go two, three, or four teams, and you're making pretty good money off of a hundred dollars. So, on my end, being that I don't have a large bankroll in the beginning of time. And being that these professional handicappers are known to throw thousands of dollars, $5,000 on a single bet, you have to go in a different direction. You have to go in a direction that will benefit you in the long run. And I I can't see myself going $5,000 or $10,000 on a single bet and losing that. And then you have to kind of catch up. You have to do it again. You see, Mm. because generally speaking, the single bets, if you take it from the point spread point of view, it's for every single bet that you make. If it's a hundred dollar single bet and you win, you're going to get ninety dollars back. Okay, if you place two of those particular bets and you win, you're going to get one hundred and eighty dollars back risking two hundred dollars. However, if you lose one and win one, you don't exactly push. If if you win one and lose one, you're going to end up with $10, which Mm. is basically a dollar win um, of of a negative. So you have to actually win three single bets to cover one loss on a single bet Mm. because of the way the calculations are going for every hundred dollars you win ninety dollars so if you win two you get hundred and eighty dollars 
you lose one, you minus $100, that puts you at $80 of profit. So it realistically, you're just basically waste of your time, in my opinion. You're not really making big dents of progress. Therefore, you have to put a lot of single bets on the board. You have to have a lot of bankroll to back those single bets. And in that regard, it takes, it takes a lot of research and it takes a lot of, like I say, bankroll to back up those particular single bets. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it from a different point of view, such as sports and athletes, especially an NBA superstar athlete, their point percentage of field goal rate is about 50%, 52% for the great athletes. So you compare that to what a sports handicapper is doing, which is about the same percentage, and you look at they're making a lot of points, yeah, but their percentage is low, but they're, they have to shoot a lot of times. Michael Jordan is a great example. He had to shoot more than most people have to shoot. He missed an awful lot, okay, but his percentage was 50%, 52% on average, but he was taking a tremendous amount of shots. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, he wasn't taking 10 shots and missing five. He was taking, you know, 30 shots, 40 shots a night, you know, making 20 of those. Yeah, you're going to get a high score. Absolutely. You know, it, it's a numbers game. The more, the more shots you take, the more buckets you're probably going to make. So the more single bets you make, yeah, you're going to win more single bets. But it's, it's basically a numbers game. And... I don't have the bankroll, the time or the energy for those kind of numbers games. So Mm. what I do, Jake, is I I try to find as close to possible as a guarantee winner throughout various options that are available for that day. And when you're dealing with more than one sport, it makes it a little bit easier because now you have a lot more leadway of succeeding as opposed to not. But when you limit yourself to one sport or to a certain particular event, you don't really have much options. You know, it's kind of like uh, with the UFC. The UFC is only once a week. Or the NFL, it's once a week. You know, you have 16 games NFL. UFC, you maybe have eight matches a week. So that's it. That's all you get. And if you lose on those particular days, you have to wait a whole new week to come back. So as opposed to the other sports, you know, baseball, basketball, and in this case, college basketball, you, know, mm. you, you go day by day, take a loss one day, come back strong the next day. You don't have to wait very long. So it all depends on the, the season. It all depends on, you know, what major league sport is in play at the time that you're ready to make your investment. And uh, like I say, if you can confidently make two or three winners as part of your single bet investment, you might as well combine those guys into a parlay, invest less and make more. That's a very fair point. And in terms of the whole ideology around uh, investing less and making more, 
I just want to point out your last uh, run, which happened on the 15th of April in 2019. Basically, I'm looking at five bets. Four of them lost, which for many would think like, what the hell, man? You just lost so many bets. I mean, come on, you four bets lost, one of them won. You're looking at 20% win rate, which is absolutely ridiculous. And <laughs> it's it's a complete misconception in this industry. And this is something that I've been really, really trying to focus on over the past 12 months or so, is that people judge others based on their win rate, which is completely wrong. I mean, if you're looking exactly at this bet, you lost four bets, and this is wow, you know, but you won that one bet, which was basically recouping all the losses plus make profit on top of it of $487. So you came out of that day and that's something that wouldn't happen to uh, flat better. For example, flat better would uh, make losses most likely on these. I, I would have to calculate exactly based on odds, but I would presume that a flat better would lost, would lose money based on the, on these bets. And that's just something that, I mean, you've mentioned this quite a few times so far, but what is your take on win rate in general in this industry? I mean, from my, from my perspective, it's completely wrong and people should not judge others based on the win rate. The, the win rate, I'm sorry, the win rate is, yes, misdeceiving, uh, very deceiving, very, um, I believe over-exaggerated in some aspects. And the reason being is because you have to know, number one, where is that win rate coming from? What does it exist of? How kind of quality, what kind of quality of a bet are we looking at? You know, if I'm going to pick the strongest team every single time at minus 900 odds or minus, you know, 1000 odds, I might be at a win rate of 90%. I might be, you know, above 80. Mm. And at the same token, if I'm picking all underdogs at plus 500 and I'm only getting, you know, 15% of those guys, I might actually be making profit. Exactly. But losing, you know, a lot of tickets. Mm. So you have to look at everything for what it is. Uh, you know, how did it occur? What does it exist of? What's, what does it entail? Because, yes, it could be very deceiving. And people, there's a lot of misconception when it comes to sports investing, just like with sports in general. What we see on TV, what we see uh, in magazines or in, you know, collection of video libraries or the news. We don't actually see the whole entire picture. We see super highlights of, you know, dunks being made, three-pointers being made. We don't really see the negative. We see a lot of the positive being over-exaggerated. And I've always, you know, referred back to Michael Jordan because even though he was considered one of the greatest players percentage-wise when it comes to assists or it comes to field goal percentage or free throw percentage, 
he wasn't really that great. There's other guys that were above him, but yet they don't get the recommendation or, or the consideration or the recognition because they didn't score a lot of points. You know, they weren't the high flying, they weren't the slam dunking, they, they did not score a lot of points. So Michael Jordan would be probably a, a single better, placing a lot of bets, winning a lot of money by mm. placing a lot of those bets. And again, you know, facts are facts. And if you look at it, you know, that's basically what it comes down to. And you have to ask yourself, you know, what exactly makes a professional handicapper in, in Vegas's eyes? And the real answer is it's all about the amount of money being wagered. If you're wagering $10 every single investment or, or bet for the rest of your life every single day, you're not considered a professional handicapper. Even though you're winning, you, you will never be considered a professional handicapper. But if you're throwing, you know, a hundred to thousand to five thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars down, you're automatically in consideration of being a professional handicapper. So, yes, the stats of win rate are a little bit deceiving. I kind of disagree with that. Yeah, where it's coming from, you know, where exactly is it coming from? You know, if I'm want to have a great win rate. Or do you want to have a tremendous profit amount in your bank? Exactly. And I prefer the profit. You know, I prefer <laughs> the profit, and that, that's where I go in the direction of. Speaking of profits, um, I know you're only four months into the season, but you managed to make over $10,000. And even though you may say that you're off target, it's still an impeccable amount of money won in a single season so far actually well four months in actually not even we're talking about 13 weeks i suppose 13 weeks since, right. a little since, under four since you started months, right. and it's an impeccable amount of money one and we could talk about someone's salary basically right there in those 13 weeks or even more oh. than most people would make in those 13 weeks as a full-time job Right. And not only salary, Jake, you could also take a look at the actual professional handicappers that are being recognized by Vegas. And you can see in a season, in a, in a NBA season or NFL season, that they're not even making close to that. I believe last time I checked, and I put this on the, on the People's Forum uh, to take a look at, because it was brought to my attention that these professional handicappers, I think only three people for the whole year topped what we did in less than 13 weeks. And again, those are the single betters. Those are the guys that are, are placing the single wages. And most of them, they're going five to, five to six, you know, single wages, some, some a little bit less, but five to six. And again, if, if you lose one, you have to win two to just make up for that one because of the way that the payout is. So, it, it's a lot more that you have to do just to either get back to even or get back on top. And not, not to put anybody, you know, in the spotlight in a negative way, but there was a, a posting recently that had mentioned that somebody had 
made it to a $4,000 profit range with mm. 200 bets. So 200 bets at $100 minimum would be $2,000 being invested to win 4,000, basically doubling your money. And at 200 wagers or 200 bets, I, I'm guessing that was a few weeks or maybe possibly a few months of doing so. So again, when you hear these, you know, the smart investment, it, it's, it's considered smart investment single betting if maybe you have a million dollars. You know, mm. If I had a million dollars, I'm not going to parlay any. I'm just going to go with uh, as close to a sure one bet as I can <laughs> you know, to win $900,000. I'm okay with that. But, you know, that, that's where that term most likely comes from is the individuals that have a lot of money mm. and they're not going to take a chance, you know, with two teams or three teams. They're just going to go straight forward one, one team. But they're also spending a tremendous amount of money. You know, even ten thousand dollars will get you nine thousand. That's good. You know, that's great. But but what I try to show when I'm trying to you know evolve in this industry is that you can do so with very little money invested of your own, and eventually you're going to come out on top where you're not using your money no more. You're using from your winnings to continue to profit mm. because it's not rocket science. It's not difficult to do. You just have to look at the entire spectrum, the whole picture. You have to look at everything. And, you know, it would be great if everybody just came together and threw, you know, one of their you know, greatest picks out there <laughs> and just do a 10 team parlay every day. You'd have a lot of rich people. <laughs> with no doubt i mean with all the experts there are you know everyone just you know puts one of their best bets for the day out there and that's it and this stops posting or stops you know in public eyes you know hey this one this one this one's gonna win just one mm. you get 10 of those guys or eight of those guys you're in good shape and this is something that you can actually do yourself i mean it, it's i mean for your analysis but this is kind of how you've been working as well at the same time you analyze the wall the z code vip area and you sort of see oh this guy is doing this and that and you just sort of like pick and choose and that's sort of what z code can be for many people as well i mean you can it's what you take out of it yourself and you can take certain picks and just put them into a single parlay and you know, it can be a fun bet, but can it can turn right. into a system as well at the same time, as well, in your well, everything case. Is a, everything should be fun and entertaining. Number one, sports investing or any kind of investing that you do, you, you don't want to stress yourself. You don't want to, you know, cause too much complications with your, with your health or your emotions. Just have fun. You know, have fun and invest in what you know you could afford to lose. Okay, because nothing is guaranteed. You know, but you, if you don't have fun or you don't enjoy what you're doing, you might not be wanting to invest in, in that particular area or that particular item or thing or person anymore. You know, you have to enjoy yourself, number one. Um, that, that's, that's a huge part of it. And, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. You can easily, and, and I've done this in the, in the past when there was no Zico, there was no online experts per se. It was just, you know, me and 
CBS Sports, they had their their panel of experts, or even on weekends on TV, you'd have the experts, you know, predict who's going to win the NFL games or whatever the case is. And you notice their records, their winning record and their loss uh, record. No one was perfect and no one was even close to being perfect. You know, they were they were always 50, 60 percent. So you start to think, okay, they're getting paid to give you a prediction on TV or on, you know, in a magazine or newspaper. So they have to at least have something correct, but they're not always perfect, but they're above 50%. So if you pick and choose and put in your own implemental research or whatever the case may be, now you have the advantage. And that's how everything started for me was I, I was casting these big parlays at the sports book and heads were being turned. You know, I was at that time during college years going, you know, $10, $20 and I'm winning $2,300, $4,000. And it was, it was kind of like heads were being turned. <laughs> and at first it was, Oh, you got lucky, you know, congratulations. And then <laughs> You do it again, and they're, they're you know, like, how, how do you do this? Mm. <laughs> and again, it, it was me not going solely on one sport. It was, it was combining different sports because it's not too difficult to pick one winner from the NBA, you know, out of all the games they play a night or one or two winners from the NFL, and there's 16 games going. You know, it's not that difficult. So... so you just have to kind of maneuver your way into a situation that you're getting the best of the best from those individuals that are posting what they post. Uh-huh. And in my opinion, I think at all times, anybody that is following anybody, whether it's in the Zico community or the newspaper or magazines, they always have the advantage of getting a better selection than what is being posted. Because the individuals that don't follow nobody and that are posting their picks, they're pretty much mindset is their picks. That's it. Nobody else. They, they don't maneuver around. They don't, they don't concentrate on anything else but their picks. Mm-hmm. Whereas a follower can pick and choose. You know, do I copycat exactly verbatim these particular picks? Or can I take a couple here? from this person, a couple from this person, combine them and make a stronger investment. And and that's what it's all about. I mean, you just want to win. You know, some way or somehow you want to profit more than you lose. Speaking of profit, if somebody joins Zico today and they check your forums and they are going to be very interested in your system, how can they get started in following you? What's the procedure? How would you recommend the steps accordingly? The, the procedure is basically this. Uh, you should always know what you're investing in. And to follow is great, but don't just follow just to copy, copy, copy. Follow to learn. Follow to actually learn and implement things on your own because you're going to realize by doing that, you're going to probably have more success than even myself. Because that's, again, how I was able to do it. You know, I was able to follow some experts that I either saw on TV or whatever the case is and learn 
you know, why do they choose that way? Why do they go in this direction? Or why, why are they going here? And, and at the same time, you start to learn more different factors or different things that become clear to you. You know, you know, when I came back the second time, Jake, I'll tell you the truth, man, I learned more this time around than I did before. You know, and every week <laughs> from week one to week 13, I'm, I learned something new of a different factor or, or a different idea that I can go in a direction and get a better result by looking at a certain particular option. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, you have to understand my mindset is you got to defeat Vegas some way, somehow Vegas is always winning. So how are you going to be able to do that? And you have to kind of think kind of like Vegas, which I used to do that even in high school when we would place bets amongst each other, amongst various students. Uh, there would be always one kid with a newspaper taking bets. And that, that was considered our booking. You know, we're doing, you know, $5 or whatever the case is. <laughs> and in some cases, he, he would, you know, basically say, oh, no, I don't want to take that bet because everybody was going to, knew that particular team was going to win. So it was kind of like, no, we're not going to take that bet. So in those situations, if it was a minus seven or minus three and he wasn't taking the bet because he agreed too that, yeah, they're going to probably destroy this team. What I would do is I would manipulate the line and I would throw it up there and I would say, OK, I'll tell you what, it's minus three on the newspaper. I'll give you minus 10. Now will you take the bet and their eyes open like, oh, yeah, I'll take that bet. So and I still win. And the reason why I bring this up is because if you actually look at research, the actual point spread doesn't really affect the game as much as people think. If you go back and you do research of past games, you're going to notice in the NFL season, uh, during the week, there's usually 16 games uh, if everybody plays, sometimes 12. Mm-hmm. You take a look at the point spread. And the point spread that was put out and the outcome of the score doesn't really affect the game, meaning that if it's minus seven, the favorite is going to cover that with no problem. And if the underdog wins, they're going to win outright without the points even helping them out. You're going to notice that you're going to have maybe three of those games that are affected by the point spread, meaning that the underdog loses, but with the point spread, they win. And it's only three out of the 16 games that you're going to find on average basis that is affected by the point spread. In college basketball, uh, and I think it was actually college football, if you look at college football, they have 80 games a weekend, 80 games on Saturday. And only 20 to 30 of those games are affected by the point spread, meaning that the underdog wins outright without the point spread help, and the favorite covers the point spread without any problem. So by knowing those particular factors, it makes it a little bit easier to go in the direction of, you know, what to do as far as the money line goes, you know, to give you now confidence. And 
if you understand how point spreads are made or how point spreads are you know brought to the table per se las vegas is not predicting the score or the outcome of the score they're simply trying to get enough money on both sides so this way no matter if it's win or lose on the point spread vegas still wins because again it's that 100 to win 90 dollars so they're going to get $10 automatically, and if you get 100 people, that's easily $1,000. But you know you're going to get probably 10,000 people betting or maybe 20,000 people. So Vegas is going to win with basically even amounts of bets on both sides, as close to possible as they can. So you have to kind of think in Vegas's direction, you know, and understand that certain numbers are put there and certain numbers always either get covered or always don't get covered. Mm -hmm. Vegas knows this, you see, and and Vegas knows this that, and I believe it's, if it's minus eight, for example, Usually that means the home team doesn't really cover minus eight or minus nine and a half, I think it was. Uh, but again, I put all this on the forum uh, to, to help guys out. But yeah, you have to look at the history to know the future. Mm-hmm. You have to look at, because there is no way possible that an entity like Vegas can always simply win just by magic. You know, they, they always win for a reason. And you have these point spreads and people are, I mean, it's been probably what, over 50, 60 years now that sports gambling has been legal uh, in Vegas and nobody has hit over 70% or 60% consistently. You know, it, it's kind of mind boggling, like, you know, that with all the technology, with all the, the people, with all the, you know, sports investors, How is that possible that nobody has consistently found a way to outsmart Vegas? And it goes back to what you say. It's it's because of routine. Parlays are for suckers, so automatically people stay away from parlays. (laughs) Factors to look at. People look at factors, and, and every expert, for the most part, looks at the same kind of factor. Well... I started changing that and not looking at the same kind of factor, but also looking at the actual point spread and the money line that is involved. You know, what is significant about these particular numbers? And you're going to notice, like I said, you know, certain numbers that are displayed, the favorite or the underdog automatically seem to win those particular games. Mm-hmm. And the same with the money line, because if you notice, if it's a minus eight game for whatever sport it is, the money line is never the same for the most part. It's never going to be minus 300, minus 320, or minus 40. It always changes. It could be minus 700 money line and minus eight point spread. And at the same time, it could be minus 400 money line and minus eight point spread. Mm -hmm. So why would the money line change if the number is still minus eight? So you have to... Look at the past to know the future and prepare yourself to succeed. And try to look at different factors that maybe people don't really notice to begin with. And 
I always refer again to, to the game of blackjack. For the longest time, nobody thought that in any game, the player had the advantage. Everybody thought that every single game in Vegas, the house always wins. Until a right. couple of MIT students used math and statistics to figure out, well, wait a minute. In actuality, blackjack is the only game that the player has a 2 to 3% advantage if you follow the, the basic strategy rules. And in my opinion, sports investing, I don't understand, again, like I told you, why Vegas will always win when you, the player, are deciding who wins or loses. Vegas does nothing. They just sit there. They just wait for you to make the mistake. You see? <laughs> so, I mean, they, they, don't even, they don't even attempt to say, oh, I think uh, you, you know, Utah's going to win. Um, how much do you want to bet? No, they just wait. And let the player go in and say, okay, I'm putting 100 on Utah to win, and, and Vegas is going to collect. Because, again, you look into the numbers, the spread, the point spread, the money line, those numbers say something. Those numbers mean something. There's a reason why they're put out there like that. Mm. You know, it, it's like uh, just recently with the Toronto and Orlando game, I believe it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Orlando had won the first game. And the second game, all of a sudden, Orlando is now minus, uh, you know, a plus 10 underdog. Well, they dominated the first game. How is it that the second game, all of a sudden, now they're at plus 10? They, they should be a little bit even, you know, maybe minus 4, minus 3, minus 2. So when you see things like that, something's not right. You want to go with what doesn't seem logical and what doesn't seem logical usually happens to be correct mm. because I don't know uh, if many of the zoo coders uh, remember the, just the recent game Orlando uh, in the first round of the playoffs they won they, they won as a visiting team against I, I want to say it was Toronto if I'm not mistaken and the second game, Toronto covered spread. There you have it. Um, speaking of... Uh, everybody was... Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. No, I mean, you can... <laughs> I was just no, going to move on to the next question. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was just very curious because obviously you mentioned Vegas a lot, but um, where do you place your money generally? Where, what bookmakers do you use? What bookmakers would you recommend for your systems? Well, I, I don't really go online because I like to see the physical cash. I like to see the physical tickets. So I <laughs> go to, here we have Mexico. We go to Mexico and they have sports books available. So mm. that's where we started. In, you know, when we go to college, you only had to be 18 years old and it was only about a 10 to 15 minutes away. So, you know, a lot of Americans come down here uh, during football season. Very rare during other types of sports because of work and things of that nature. But on the weekends, uh, it gets pretty packed with Americans coming down, placing their wagers, and you're gonna win dollars. Uh, they pay out in dollars, so that's always good. And uh, that, that's where we would go make our journey. So 
that that's where it really started as far as you know getting really involved in these things um you know you study all week preparing for college football and preparing for nfl and then you start heading down to the sports book with, with confidence and placing your wagers and then you got to do it all over again but yeah it it starts there uh, as far as the online uh, i don't know sports books goes I don't really utilize a lot of various accounts. Uh, I think there's only one that I've used, and that was uh, sportsbook.ag. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first ones in the 90s that existed. <laughs> and, you know, they, um, they they were pretty good to me, meaning that, you know, they would send me gifts in the mail once in a while that I wouldn't even be expecting and uh, just to show appreciation or whatever the case is. Uh, now they kind of had to change things around where they're only accepting Bitcoin. And for me, you know, Bitcoin gets confusing and, and kind of frustrating. <laughs> so I, I'd rather just go in person to tell you the truth. But, um, you know, again, there, there's the routine that says to have various sports accounts or sports book accounts uh you know shop around for the lines or whatever the case is Mm. i I really don't and i know that again it's going to be debated or argued but i I don't really see the point i mean either you're going to win or you're not i I don't think you're being a sports investor because of a half a point is going to make a difference for you to make or break you know your bank Mm -hmm. um either you know what you're doing or you don't in my opinion that, uh, you know, people will argue, you know, well, this one's one point or half a point, you know, then choose a different way to invest, you know, go a different direction. You don't have to focus on that one game, Mm. you know, that one point or half a point, you know, just go for the winners, you know, have confidence enough to just get the winners. (laughs) Don't don't worry about shopping lines for half a point because you're not going to see a you know minus ten here and minus three over here. It's not going to happen like that. You're going to see a probably a minus five, uh, minus point five. I'm sorry, or a one at the most difference, mm. you know, one point difference or point five. You know, now I can understand if one book has it, like I said, minus ten, and the other one has it at minus two. Okay, now it's worth shopping for. But for the half a point or one point and. Yes, people win doing that, but how often do you win doing that? Is it significant enough that it makes a big difference? And I would argue no, because again, I'm seeing sports professional handicappers at 54% win rate or 60% win rate at the high end. So it doesn't make a difference because if it did, they would probably be at 80 or 90 or 100% win rate. So to me, it just doesn't make any difference to do that. But I will probably get backlash on that one, uh, to tell you the truth. But yeah, I'm just, my opinion, that's all. I'm boiling I, I right now. I try to keep it simple. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm about to explode. You know, I, I'm with you. I, I'm sure you do that too. Right? You probably shop around for lines. and you know, but, you know, just, just think about it, man. You're, going for, you're fighting for one point, a half a point. You know, if your team can't win or, or can't cover mm-hmm. whatever you're choosing, you know, then maybe it wasn't the right idea. Mm. You know? And if you can tell me that by shopping around, you're winning 100% of those games, 
then you might have a point. Definitely right? not. But right. I would, so I would argue that perhaps in tennis, you have a much bigger gap between the bookmakers. So we could say, I, I don't know if you're familiar, I'm more familiar with the European odds, but for example, if you're betting okay. $100 and you're going to get $50 return, so $150 in total, um, you could have a return of $180 somewhere else because of this massive gap in the market. Yeah. Basically, all, the bookmakers take a lot longer to stabilize the market accordingly to what everyone else is or, uh, offering. So that's uh, a good point. You're right. I, I, I suppose do, in, I in tennis, that. yeah, in tennis, it's a lot more visible than it is in other sports. And I, I come from a tennis background. So yes, I would shop around for better odds. I wouldn't shop okay. around for better spreads because spreads don't really matter in tennis. As you said, they don't really yeah. matter in other sports either or not as much as other people think. Yeah, but, tennis is a good, good, good example because you're right about that. That is correct. Uh, it's usually speaking a sport that's not really well known or, or a team that's not, you know, well known with players. Vegas doesn't have any clue either. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's a new league that's developing, like, for example, there's a football league, uh, the AFL. They didn't really have a clue where to begin or where to go. Uh, you'll notice that during the first two, one or two weeks of any major league sport, sometimes Vegas doesn't really have a clue of the point spread to, to make it in their favor. Uh, it happens when you have trades or, you know, injuries or things of that nature. It gets very difficult to do. Mm. But uh, you did make a good point. If it is that dramatic, yes, then it's worth it. But for individuals to say, you know, with the point spread, you know, it's just it really doesn't make a difference, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, as far as it's going to dent your bank account lower than before or make you rich quick, it really not going to be a significant difference in that regard. Um, but for yeah, sure. you, you make a good point. That's a good job on the tennis. And based on that, how do you analyze, what sort of tools do you use for your personal analysis for your parties? And perhaps um, where does Zico come in as well for your daily analysis? Th this is a great question. Every sport is different is what I found out uh, just by researching it and trying it and going from there. For example, uh, I've noticed right now with baseball, I, I like the sports predictor. Uh, the, the sports predictor is what I use uh, more so than not for every sport. However, with some sports, it just doesn't accurately predict. Mm. And baseball is one of them. It has, you know, when you see green, 80%, 70% confidence, you get excited. But at the same time, when they're not hitting, you know, properly, it just is not predicting correctly. So, you have to kind of be disciplined. You can't, you know, it, it's very difficult when you have experts or a score predictor tell you that this is going to win with confidence and yet you're doing research and on your end, it's a totally opposite outcome that you feel is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So those get a little bit difficult to kind of overcome or ignore or avoid. 
Um, I've lost, you know, many of various investments that when I did my research, I was right with Team B, but all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, different suggestions from professionals or the sports predictor that Team A is going to, you know, take care of everything. And so I kind of maneuver that way and then I end up losing. But so my, my best advice is, you know, when those things happen, just have confidence in what you're doing because it's only one day, you know, have confidence because, again, nobody's hitting over 60 percent. Maybe you have the winning uh, formula. Who knows if you have a positive feeling that certain team is going to win? Just stick with it. Uh, it's one of the hardest things to do, but stick with it and roll it, you know, let it go. Uh, as far as the football season goes, scores predictor has been right more so than not with college football, uh, with the NFL, and with hockey, it, it's a hit or miss. Um, generally speaking, if you see something red, uh, negative, and the favorite is you know winning the score predictor, but it's in that. Uh, red or maroon color. Uh, Generally speaking, I found out that the underdog wins those games uh, more so than. But uh, I do use a scores predictor. I also, with baseball, it's more so than not about the pitching matchup. Uh, who's going to be pitching? And by looking at the pitching matchup, you're going to see one of two or three things. You're going to find out uh, which team can hit against this pitcher. So, you know, the team they're playing, have they had success against this particular pitcher? Have they not had success? And usually those things tend to continue on. If they had success against a certain pitcher, that team is going to continue with success against a certain pitcher and vice versa. Uh, some pitchers just dominate certain teams. So the pitching matchup is huge. Uh, I really take a look at that. Also, you want to take a look at certain streaks. If a pitcher was doing great in the past and all of a sudden is, is stumbling, such as recently uh, Boston Red Sox pitcher Chris Sully, uh, he's supposed to have dominated the New York Yankees. He lost again. And generally speaking, that's either a sign of one or two things. They're probably going to be injured with uh, some sort of injury here pretty soon, or they're just having a tremendously bad start to a season. And, you know, but something is not right. When, they're, when a dominant pitcher or an ace pitcher is struggling, something is not correct. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you have to take those into consideration. Uh, when it comes to baseball, you also take a look at individuals or teams that have won more than you know, four times in a row, five times in a row, eventually they're going to lose. Uh, it's just going to happen. Uh, again, you look at the history. You know, not one baseball team has routinely went 20 games in a row of nonstop winning. You know, usually I think uh, when you get to 8, 9, or 10, that's pretty much the limit, and then lo losing is going to happen. So you want to keep your eyes on that. Um, as far as baseball goes, the ballpark really doesn't come into effect as far as the crowd goes, but it does come into effect as far as the turf and the weather. 
whether it's day or night, things of that nature. Uh, balls tend to sail differently during different types of weather. But again, it's, it's more, for me, it's just more emphasis on the pitcher and the way the batters react to that particular pitcher, uh, along with the supporting cast of pitchers, the relief pitchers, and the saver. Now, my success in baseball started with me playing fantasy baseball. And the reason why I bring this up, it's a, it's a huge bonus tool for people that maybe don't know much about baseball or maybe want to succeed more in baseball, is if you start playing these fantasy sport games, you're going to start learning more about players. You're going to start learning more about statistics. You're going to start learning more about the, the way these predictions are working. And you're going to, you're going to get more knowledge than you did before by simply playing these fantasy sports games. Uh, with fantasy baseball... You know, they have their own predictions, you know, who's going to be the hot pitcher this week or who's going to be the hot batter this week. And you can kind of use that to your advantage by combining, you know, that particular knowledge with either a professional or a score predictor of some sort. And because, again, Vegas is going to probably win more so than not. But at the same time, fantasy sports their predictions are pretty, pretty accurate. Uh, I've, I've noticed them to be pretty close to accurate. And uh, instead of you having to do all the research, they've already done the research for you. So it makes it a little bit easier, you know, in that regard. Uh, when it comes to football, it used to be the quarterback was a huge key factor, but nowadays you don't really need a supreme quarterback to win. Uh, you just need to have a above average quarterback or some quarterback that can get the job done. Um, when it comes to football, home field advantage is huge. Uh, off the charts, it's, it's a huge deal. You know, you automatically give or take four points just by home field advantage. Because again, these guys only play once a week and all that energy throughout the week from the crowd to the excitement from the player itself, it all explodes on that Sunday or Monday or Saturday or Thursday whenever they play. It just all comes out at once. Uh, and it's huge. It's a huge factor. If it's coming down to basketball, obviously you're looking for point guards and shooting guards or all-star athlete player. Not necessarily an all-star athlete team, because, again, these are position players, and there is no double teaming like there is in college. So you can have the best five players out there, but that really doesn't make a big difference. It's all about the point guard, the rebounding, the free throws, points in the paint, you know, which team is better at those particular stats, because that is going to be the deciding factor more so than not uh, in that regard. The home team, the home crowd does get involved. But again, if it's a weekly game, maybe not as much. If it's a rivalry game, maybe more so than not. Uh, so yeah, it, it could make a difference. And when it comes to colleges, it really depends on the ranking. It depends on a lot of different factors uh, in mm -hmm. that regard. 
uh, hockey. It's and again, it's more or less common sense when you look at the records of the teams. And if you notice the the records of the teams, you're going to notice hockey uh, hockey teams. They're all pretty much even from the top to the bottom, except for this year, Tampa Bay was the only team that was above the rest, uh, losing in the playoffs, unfortunately, but they were the only team above the rest. Everybody else was, you know, pretty much right, even with wins and losses. Uh, not much of a difference. So hockey, you look at the goalie, and you look at, you know, more or less the, the success that a team has had against a goalie or vice versa. Uh, the home crowd, generally speaking, doesn't become a factor just because there's not a lot of points scored. So if you're a visiting team, you want to score first to eliminate the crowd noise. And a home team wants to get aggressive to bring out the crowd noise. But if there's no points being scored, the crowd really doesn't react. And if a crowd doesn't react, it doesn't really affect the visiting team as much uh, in that regard. So... You know, you look for those particular things. Um, as far as injuries go, injuries will affect basketball. If it's an all-star player or a position player, like a specific position, point guard, shooting guard, you know, whatever the case is. And if that particular player is considered like an all-star. Um, when it comes to baseball, if it's a pitcher, it could affect the team. If it's anybody else, it really doesn't do too much damage to a team uh, in that regard. Football the same way. If it's a quarterback, it could affect the team. If it's a elite running back or wide receiver, it could affect the team. But uh, generally speaking, you know, anybody else, it's the lineman. It doesn't really affect the team one way or another because those are easily replaceable. So... That, that's what is looked for in these particular sports uh, regarding that particular issue. <laughs> that's a very but, elaborative but if, explanation on your behalf. Yeah, and just look at the point spread. If, if something looks like it's just completely off, like something doesn't look right, you know, either stay away mm -hmm. or there has to be a reason why Vegas put it out there like that. And a lot of it is psychology. A lot of it, uh, if you look at the research of the sport, point spread or the money line, why it's being done this way. A lot of times Vegas does it for psychology purposes to attract, again, attention and to get the bets going one way as opposed to another. And, uh, you know, it, it happens more so than not. I think I'm going to skip the last question, but no, bring it you on. want me to ask it, you. Let's go for it, man. Uh, but anyway, second last question. Have you got any memorable investments that you made before? Perhaps the biggest win or the most lucky win of your betting career? And I'm sure you have uh, a lot of them because of your parlay system. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I, I do. Uh, there, there's one that would I would probably say be as close to the Tiger Woods one recently. The only problem <laughs> was I was in the eighth grade and... At that particular moment, I'm only betting $5 uh, with, with the family. It was boxing. It was um, Mike Tyson versus And this is when Mike Tyson was undefeated. He was a champion. Uh, the whole entire planet, for the most part, who knew boxing was 
guaranteeing Mike Tyson's going to win. And for those that don't know the quick history of that battle, uh, Mike Tyson was undefeated, was destroying opponents. Nobody thought in the entire planet that he would ever lose. James Buster Douglas was a nobody. No, uh, nobody knew who he was. He was someone of a last-minute replacement. I think he was given two- or three-week notice that, you know, hey, we're going to Tokyo. You're going to fight uh, for the heavyweight championship. Uh, can you handle it? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So he goes in there, and, you know, I knew kind of the history with Mike Tyson and from TV reports that, you know, he's having relationship problems. At this time, he was going through divorce with Robin Givens, uh, having issues with the management. So me knowing how it feels to break up with a girlfriend, you really can't focus on sports per se. I was looking at this thing and I'm looking at it and, you know, people, my uncles, you know, they want to bet and nobody's budging. No, you know, Mike Tyson's going to win. Mike Tyson's going to win. So I just said, you know what, I'll, I'll take Buster Douglas. <laughs> and right away they jump on top of that. Hey, can we go with $10? And, my mom jumps in and says, I don't take advantage of uh, Ernesto. Huh? And, uh, you know, think I don't know no better. Right. So <laughs> there it was, man. And uh, sure enough, you know, Buster Douglas wins the bout and I get my $5 and $10 and uh, a look of shock and amazement. And, uh, and I, I would never forget that because like I said, no, nobody thought in their right mind that would ever happen. I think the odds were astronomical to say the mm -hmm. truth. And, um, and yeah, that, that was right there and then that, you know, it, it's all about just knowing the sport, knowing, you know, the emotion or the psychological aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And yes, these things affect people. They're just, they're human beings, these athletes. So you want to look for those also, you know, uncategorized key factors. Those that have gone through recent breakups or, you know, something tragic, uh, in their life that maybe affects them on the playing field or the court. Uh, all these things come into play and uh, it affects the best of us and the greatest of us. And it happens, uh, unfortunately. So I can't agree. I can't agree more with you. I think the most recent uh, two years when I was betting, I think uh, my analysis was heavily based on social media aspects. So I was, I was checking each tennis player's Instagram page see what they're oh, up right. to like for example people's lives have become so they became so open we could say that because you can see what they're doing the day before you can see what they're doing on the day of the match so yes i i i guess i could relate to what you just said because the majority of my 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 wins were based on the fact that i saw something on social media that i thought you know i don't like that or maybe I feel like this player seems injured based on how they're, you know, filming this um, practice match, for example. And you can right. see that they're all, there's something wrong with them. And you just jump in on the opposite player right away with great, great odds usually. And oh, right. yeah, exactly. you, yeah, yeah, you just make, an, make a judgment based on what you see of how these players are affected based on a specific aspect of their life. Uh, it, that, that's it just also, fantastic point. Right. No, it also works with college college sports. Uh, these, these are students. They're not professional athletes. They're college people, and you know these things affect you know them as well, and it affects their play. So a lot of you know times, 
some of the other factors you can look at is like you mentioned Instagram or, or social media, you mm. know, is see if anything happened recently that might throw them off their game. And, um, you know, a lot of these things come into play with, with college there's a little bit more easier key factors because these students normally speaking, they only play for four years. Uh, after that you get a new class come in or a new group of people and nobody has the chemistry quite yet. So when you see that a, college or university all of a sudden has fresh new faces that are starting in the lineup, you know, you might want to go the other direction because the chemistry hasn't been built yet with the team. You know, uh, always keep your eye out for that when it comes to college sports. Uh, you know, new head coaches uh, in any sport sometimes can affect uh, the way people perform and uh, things of that nature. So you always want to keep your eyes out. Uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball, usually around June or July, the AAA players will come up to the major leagues. And sometimes you're going to find an ace pitcher that nobody heard of. And again, that's where the fantasy sports is huge because they will tell you, you know, right off the bat, this guy was amazing in AAA. He's coming up to the majors. Great prospect, look out for him. And with that, you can install that in your factor of success in winning these games. Mm. Um, the, the last known pitcher that I know of was Noah Syndergaard for the New York Mets. He was just like that. Uh, he came up from AAA and nobody knew of him. And you know, I'm playing fantasy sports. I pick him up and next thing you know, he's dominating the, the, the league, mm -hmm. you know, uh, without question. So... You always look for those key players as well that would help the team tremendously. It's always best to familiar yourself with what you're investing in, uh, to know kind of what you're investing in. This way you have an idea. And again, if you're going to follow anybody, um, whatever the situation is, also try to learn. Learn mm -hmm. why those particular individuals choose what they choose. You know, it gets sometimes bombarded on the VIP wall and Z code with all the picks and no real explanation. Uh, you know, it could be kind of confusing, kind of hectic, but, you know, just take your time to not get overwhelmed, but, but look behind the scenes, you know, mm. try to find out why something was chosen the way it was uh, in that direction. And hopefully you guys can succeed more so than not with uh, not only this podcast, but other podcasts that Jake has been involved in as well. <laughs> I guess we could say if RJ Barrett from uh, F. Duke was out partying for seven days straight, I guess we could take that as a good precaution <laughs> betting against the freshman. In an that, that, right, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah um, it was wild parties with cocaine and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was good. You brought that one up, man. Um, I, I remember in baseball season, it was San Diego Padres. Now, I'm not a San Diego Padres fan, but at this time, Ricky Henderson was on the Padres. And, you know, we, we go downtown with my friends and we go to a local nightclub. And right there is, is Ricky Henderson and a couple of the Padres. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, is that Ricky Henderson? And, you know, he's right there partying. And I'm like, and I mentioned my friends, you know, they're going to lose tomorrow. I mean, it's late. They're partying. They have a game tomorrow. This guy's not even focused. Mm. And, and sure enough, man, they, they lose the next day. But, uh, yeah, these things affect people, man. I mean, this, this, is, this is huge. You know, 
uh, emotion and human psychological uh, aspects come into play and it, it's huge. Absolutely. And uh, to sort of sum up this whole podcast, I want to ask you if you're working on anything at the moment. Are you working on any, any new systems or you want to improve something on your parallel system? Is there anything that you're bringing in in 2019? Uh, right now, it, it's like I said, I've learned probably four new things coming into this particular return, if you will. Uh, era of 2019 and yeah you're going to learn something future something you don't need or adding something that you found out recently and trying to implement it in a way because uh you know my whole mentality goal is there has to be a way to beat vegas um, I, I refuse to to accept the fact that nobody can get above 60 percent and uh so that that's why i put my goal out there for everybody because you know, if, if I can do this with parlays, when nobody said it cannot be done with parlays, parlays are sucker bets or, you know, they're waste of time bets. You know, <laughs> at least I have a chance to prove that, you know, double check, it can be done. Uh, here it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I might not be able to get past the 60% win rate, but at least I can prove that parlays are an effective way to go. And in my opinion, again, the smartest investment because you're, you're not just playing numbers games or throwing money, you know, at the bookers and, you know, making decent profit. You're, you're doing some damage to these guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as soon as I can get to a point where all seven days or even five days are profitable, that's going to be huge. You know, right now, I think it's an average of either two to three days are profitable. And sometimes not even one day is profitable that the whole week you go. And I think I only had three of those weeks that were all in red. Mm -hmm. But um, like I said, we never had to go back after day two to our bank account. We've always uh, stood in profit no matter what. Uh, even on the losing weeks, you know, we could afford to lose because they're not single bets. You know, if I had three bad weeks in single betting, I would be catching up. I would be, you know, I would be down and down on the bottom there. Mm. But um, with parlays, if you do it right and you, you know, invest correctly, you have a better chance of success as far as profiting goes. <laughs> and, uh, and again, I put this on the forum, uh, for example, uh, single bets versus parlay bets. And... Um, People can see it from there with a visualization, but it just to me it just makes more sense if you don't have a big bankroll and you just want to you know make profit and you're not really the person making sixty percent win rates or whatever the case is with a big bankroll. Parlays mm -hmm. might be your best go uh, because again you only have to pick three teams, even four, and and who can't do that? You know, you know. It could be done. It could be done very easily. And if you notice recently, some of the parlays, one team has lost to, to ruin the parlay. Mm. So it's, it's not like a lot of teams are losing on these parlays that I'm throwing out there. It's just, you know, things happen. You know, it's uh, one bucket or one basket or one hit or whatever the case is. But, you know, I don't make excuses. I, I just I know with confidence it doesn't really affect the future. Mm -hmm. I, I know that things are going to happen, uh, but at the 
the same time, I'm, I'm confident the winning is going to happen as well. And when the winning happens, it, it's going to be huge. And just, you know, stay tuned and hang on and be prepared. <laughs> and at that time, you might not need more than one sportsbook account, but you might need more than one bank account. So be ready for that. <laughs> I guess on, on that bombshell, we can end the show. Um, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to talk to me. And I think this podcast has turned out very, very well. So it's going to be fantastic when it comes out. I think people are going to love it. And well, thank I you. So, Jake. Yeah, no problem, Jake. I appreciate everything you've done. And uh... Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.